This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? Josh, I think this is going to be the first ever piece of content in which the words fantasy and existential are mentioned <laughs> in the same sentence, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the theme of this week's podcast, and we're going to talk about game week four, obviously, but uh, the theme of this week's podcast is the template blows up. Um, so week when I think something like 600,000 managers uh, played their wild card, and I don't know if anyone has done well out of that wild card yet i'm not even sure what combination of players you would need uh to to have brought in uh yeah. to do well it's you know so yeah i mean i want to go back to this because i often you know for for 200 200 plus episodes uh i have started off these podcasts saying you know how are you in my weird stilted way and uh but this time i i have to ask because we are you know we're three weeks into the season and mm-hmm. So far, um, you you have not had a good game week. Um, you know the first like over three, and yeah. um, you know there's no judgment in that. But that's just like how the season has has started for you so far. So um, you know how are you doing? Like how are you feeling about things? Are you are you angry? <laughs> are you frustrated? Um, is are you just like I give up? I mean, like what is your you know how do you feel after three tough weeks to start off the season? Yeah, it's tough. Uh, game week by game week, it's gotten worse and worse. Game week one, I had a 1.2 million game week rank, and uh, I'm now around 2.6 million overall after game week three, having just played my wild card. And the hope is always, you know, if you get it wrong at at the starting block, so be it. Mm-hmm. You 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 bite the bullet, you play the early wild card and you fix things. And then from that point forward, things are meant to get better. Right. And I do think I've taken to heart, A, the, the theme of this season for us is make fantasy fun again. And there's, you know, that there's a lot of work that has to go into it. But also I'm trying to really keep in mind lessons that I learned from last season. And last season, I do feel like I got 
I got swept away just in FPL culture. And I just lost control of my own FPL brain. I lost control of the site of just what I liked about FPL. So I view, I'm viewing this really bad start for me as a specific challenge to me, as in how focused can I be and how long can I stay that focused? Mm-hmm. So one thing I'm trying to exercise is even though I just mentioned my overall ranks, I actually hadn't looked at my overall rank for uh, game week three through Sunday night until we just had this conversation. I'm just trying to stay away from overall ranks. I'm trying to stay away from my mini leagues as mm-hmm. much as I'm passionate about those mini leagues and head to head competitions. I'm just trying to stay focused, but yeah, I'll be honest with you, Josh watching every match on Sunday. It was bar none, the worst fantasy experience I've ever had. Wow. And, and it was like, and we've had terrible fantasy experiences where something, something goes wrong with your captain or uh, like something go, something specific will go wrong with a specific player. But there was something about Sunday where it was a cascading effect. Yeah. Um, and that, you're a huge, and, you're a huge Sheffield United fan too. So it didn't start off well. I mean, to see my boys, to see Chris Wilder and (laughs) family, just I I couldn't, I couldn't believe watching Brexit (laughs) United just fall like that. Um, (laughs) And uh, to Leeds, no less, to Leeds, no less. Yeah, your your arch rival is very painful. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and and uh, I mean, it was it was so many things that we can get into, particular things. It was a captain fail followed by a own goal from a new recruit followed by uh, a midfielder, not even making the 18. It was like, whatever could have gone wrong went wrong. And the question that we have to answer this week is where do we go from here? If we go anywhere at all? <laughs> well, what, what does that mean? Right. I mean, do you think like, where, does, where do we go? From, I mean, cause this is, um, I mean, this is sort of the opening topic, which is, you know, wildcard fallout. And the question that I had here, we actually have a few questions from listeners. A lot of people are, are in this boat right now. And um, even if you're on that boat, even if you haven't just pulled a wildcard, um, we've all been in that position where we uh, uh, have have done that. I mean, in my case, I burned four to bring in Daniel Potence and, and Kevin De Bruyne, right? That's a... Uh, I don't even, you know, uh, it's not a, not a great, uh, not a great minus four. I've had better ones, you know? So a lot of people, even if they aren't on a wild card, have had uh, worse luck. I mean, um, I had my own VAR meltdown today that I don't even need to get into, but um, I, in fact, I'm not going to get into it, but I, you know, sometimes you have those days when you get mad and you know, you're, you go on social media and you just sort of throw something out there and then you kind of walk away. And other times you get, and other times uh-huh. you get mad, and you throw things out there, and you're like, "I'm going to argue with every yeah. single person yeah. that replies to me, and I'm yeah. going to spend like an hour of my time just like, just arguing." And that mm-hmm. was where I was with this. Uh, but that's 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 beside the point. Um, you know, the handball rule is a uh, is a disaster, and uh, VAR is the enforcer of said rule. So I hate both of them. Um, but. <laughs> Um, because I mean, they, none of this stuff would be called on the pitch, you know, if there was not the VAR. Well, it's, yeah, it's yeah. the obsession with, and, and, and this is nothing new. The handball rule is only accentuating that VAR argument of the basis of VAR on principle is we need a binary. We need a right, right answer and a wrong answer. And what, what is it that we love about sports? 
What you love about sports, what I love about it, what everyone listening here loves about sports is that you don't know what's going to happen every weekend. And you don't know what's going to happen in sports because there there are infinite possibilities of the the form a body can take, the creative thinking that an athlete will go through – which results in every machination of a potential handball or foul or anything. And to think that you can set up some sort of some sort of machine system that can say yes or no is foolish uh, right. on its face. So, yeah. you know, we're basically done with this argument. We've proven that that, <laughs> then that, that, that is no. the correct. I couldn't help. That, that was it. Yeah. It's up for 45 seconds. Then no, we're done with that discussion for the rest of the pod. Um, but you know, so the theme of this opening topic is, is wildcard fallout. And, um, okay. I mean, my question to you though, is, I mean, do you have regrets or do you feel like you just had bad luck? Right. I mean, cause I know, I know how, you know, I mean, you and I did a, uh, our Patreon pod on last Thursday, and I know late into Friday you were you were working on your team. And this was not a, you know, this is not one of those wild cards where you just kind of whipped it up, you know, the weekend before, tinkered with it once or twice. I mean, you really put a lot of time. You know, I mean, not in a way yeah. that sounds like that's lame, but you just you just like wanted to, <laughs> you wanted to get it right, you know? Yeah. Um, sure. And so, uh, I mean, do you feel like you uh, picked the wrong players? Do you feel like you just had bad luck? I mean, how are you? You know, I mean, hindsight, you know, you always could see the perfect path, but like, you know, how do you feel about things? Yeah, I think it's an an important distinction to draw that there are a lot of people out there listening who have had one of their worst fantasy weekends that they have. I mean, this is our 10th season, you and I playing fantasy. This is one of the worst weekends I've had. Maybe it's not the lowest scoring weekend I've had, but I, I feel in the dumps. There are other managers out there listening who quite sensibly had Bruno Fernandez, Jamie Vardy, Danny Ings. You had Danny Ings. There are people out there yeah. who who are sitting a lot prettier. Yeah. And I think that there was a and so to answer your question about how I'm feeling about my wild card, um, luck is such a horrible word. I think when you're talking about fantasy, but I do think it was just the wrong weekend yeah. to have done this fatefully it wasn't in in theory the wrong weekend just as as the fates would divine it was the wrong weekend because if i look at my team basically my fantasy team is representing four teams wolves everton liverpool and manchester city if i were to play my wild card again going into game week four even knowing what we know about game week three i'd be inclined to still represent four teams Wolves, Everton, Liverpool, and Manchester City. So, it's it's just what's what's most interesting is just how marvelous it is, how bad it went. (laughs) Yeah, it's almost it's almost special. It's almost special. Yeah, I I, I feel like. That's an argument that I feel like I have seen a lot, which is there's and you know, and I think even with even you factor in Vardy and, and and Bruno. I mean, I think like. If you're talking about like a range of scores here, we're talking about like – and, you know, granted we're recording this on Sunday. There are two matches to go tomorrow, but we're talking about a, a range of points between like 20 and 38 or something like that. It does not feel like we're seeing anyone – you know, like last week it was kind of extreme where you you had people who had 70 or 80 points if they had Sun and Kane if they kept one of them. It doesn't really feel that way so far. Like we're not – you know, no one's, no one's pushing out too far ahead. So I think that does – Letting people to feel a little more kind of like there's like more gallows humor, I think, right? Like everyone's yeah, kind of like, right. man, what a, what an insane. We're all you know. in this together. Exactly, exactly. 
So uh, I guess we let's let's touch base with some of our listeners here who want to talk about that gallows humor. We we uh, <laughs> the the fallout such as it is from sure. everyone playing their wild card. One question here from Red Dagger: Is this the first season that decent players, meaning decent FPL managers, is this the first de- season that decent FPL managers? By that I mean all of us types that listen to podcasts and do research are getting smashed early on. Are we, in fact, the anti-template? What's interesting <laughs> about Red Dagger's question here is that anti-template idea. And if I'm talking about my wild card, um, there are a lot of other players out there who aren't fully all in on Everton and Wolves. And they've got Manchester United uh, players and, and Spurs and Leicester. And they're doing all right. So somehow I thought I was wild carding to kind of you think in you think you're you wildcard to bring in template players at this stage but in fact we're de- trying to develop a new template so if you look at my wildcard josh if you look at the mm-hmm. team that i fielded this weekend yep how much what do you see a template team or do you see some sort of uh avant-garde anti-template team I see a I see a template team. I'm not sure if this is the answer you want me to give or not, but I mean it's I feel like you've got all of the players. I mean, you've got Van Dyke over Trent. I guess that's a little different, but um I don't know. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty template. Um is that a bad thing? I don't you know, I mean not necessarily. Uh I mean it's like it's like you said. I mean, you know, the temp what is a template team? It's just a team full of yeah. People who have good fixtures and are <laughs> ideally in good form as well. Um, if that's a template, then then yeah, that's what you should keep doing all of the time. Bring in good players who have good fixtures. That's that's kind of like the simplest and s- smartest way to play fantasy. If you want to trace yeah. this back to, if I were to say, where did it all go wrong for me? And uh, setting aside the argument that nothing really went wrong, it was just sort of the fates divining and and all of that. Mm -hmm. The Jesus injury, uh, I feel like corrupted all of my plans going into this weekend. (laughs) And And I think there's an argument to be made that the Jesus injury basically has corrupted Manchester city's form. Yeah. I they, think that's they, right. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. And I feel like my wild card lost a certain degree of wind that may have been in its sails when I had to ditch Jesus and went back to the Timo Werner sort of price uh, who fit that same price point. And uh, we can, we can, we'll, we can talk about Timo a little later on. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, and yeah, this is stuff we're going to talk about later on. So we don't need to go into it too much, but I think that there are some things there. there, Maybe there's a little more, um, you know, I think Man City looked good away to Wolves. And, uh, but again, that was with Jesus. And I think maybe there is a, this is a classic fantasy move that a lot of us make, which is, um, you know, a player in a particular role gets injured for a team and, someone else cheaper fills that role or sometimes a, you know, someone plays out of position, you know, a, a Foden Sterling play, you know, as a, as a forward instead. And we think great, like that is a good thing. Yeah. And I think that, but most players, you know, maybe Antonio, there are exceptions obviously, but most players play best in the position that they 
are supposed to play in, you know, like the position that they've like been playing in for many, many years. And so it's like, you know, that's the same thing with like an injured fullback or center back or something. You're like, oh yeah, we'll just put Fernandinho in there because he's so good and it'll be fine. Man City's defense uh-huh. will be just as good as it was before. And it doesn't work that way. You know, it's like yeah. when you when you replace when you replace good players or someone who was not a natural in that position, like the team is good for a reason. It's not like they're, te- they're not good just because they're like a famous club. They're good because of all the good players. And so, you know, I think that, yeah, it's it, in hindsight, I mean, not, not in hindsight because the people were talking about this, but it is now very clear that Man City without a forward are a, a different team and have to figure out how to play in this, in this new way. And their defense may just be terrible. It may, mm-hmm. it may just be that they need like half a season to figure it out. It may, it may actually be the same Achilles heel as last season, which is, you know, they may just gift Liverpool the title again. I mean, I mean, Liverpool took it last season, but like they may gift the title to them this year because um, they just can't defend well enough. And yeah. uh, I mean, what can you say after conceding five at home to, to Leicester? It's, it's, I mean, you know, uh, the, one of the best teams in England decided they were going to bolster their central defense by getting a center back from a relegated team. How did yeah. you think that was going to go? Yeah. So lo- follow, following on to this question from FPL Pharaoh Sharif, who asked, do we keep the faith in our wild card and do things change from a 3 million rank? Uh, so it's, Going back to this idea of the anti-template, if you look at my team, Josh, and what you see is sort of the the logical conclusion of our podcast thinking. Mm-hmm. It, it is it does it remain the the template? Does it remain the right. logical conclusion? Right, that's a good question. I mean, yeah. So the, I mean, in other words, like if I was to wild card this week, would I have a team that looks like your team, or would it be somewhere different? I think, yeah. um, I, you know, I think that Man uh, Man United, um, Bruno sneaking his way into twelve points, uh, Rashford looking quite good. Uh, he had what was it one or two goals that were chalked off for offsides, as well as the goal he scored. Um, you know, maybe there is there was a little overreaction to how Man United played in that first match, and um, and I think that you know they may be a team that we should have given a little Perhaps. more credit to. There um, is there I, yeah. there is credence though to the argument that Brighton fully deserved to get points from that match, and Manchester United sort of yeah. Uh, one despite themselves. That's true. And Bruno had a terrible game. Uh, and yeah. if, if he doesn't get that penalty at the end, uh, he's on four points. You know, it's eight, I, points, I, eight points I, after the whistle, Brandon. Very right. rare. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, uh, oh, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Clee football cliches. He had this great tweet of like, we finally saw the referee do the hand signal for undoing the final whistle which was quite <laughs> remarkable to see um but i actually didn't see this he like swallow the whistle and, and i don't i don't, I don't know. It was, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's it's more the idea of it than anything else um but even even rashford i thought looked incredibly jaded in the first half and uh he had spurts in the second half so I, I I think that's kind of emblematic of where we are right now in the fantasy season of things are just getting started. Yeah, there are so <laughs> there's just so many so many things that are the water isn't even boiling yet. Yeah, is and that's really the problem for a lot of us. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, uh, we're we're three weeks. I mean, what is you know we're three thirty eights through the season. Uh, there's a long way to go. And I, I also think that there is a kind of truism about wild cards in fantasy, which is that the wild card team looks better the second game week 
some weird thing seems to always. happen. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. the yeah that week you on card something seems to go wrong. Like Man City just got destroyed at home to yeah. Leicester, and they're about to play a Leeds team that does not. I mean, they kept a clean sheet away to Sheffield United. Like, grats to them. And and Meslier, who I had no opinion of uh, before that match, uh, had had quite a good one. So, oh, he's my new favorite goalkeeper in the league. The way he carries himself, he has a slight frame for a goalkeeper. Yeah, but he has the he has perhaps the most goalkeeper face in the entire league. He is absolutely un emotionally unattached to everything that's going on. And I am, I am at once in awe and terrified of him. He's like Pope 2.0, isn't he? (laughs) Like, it's Uh like, it's like if he created like a Pope, Nick Pope in the lab, he wouldn't look quite like Pope. He'd be a little more robotic. (laughs) And that's sort of what's going on there. Why would you create anyone that looked like Nick Pope at a laboratory? (laughs) That's It's a goalkeeper factory, Brandon. That's what can we say? Uh Uh, All right. So one final note here. Uh, FPL Mikey says, we've all had a bad game week, right? Uh, Should we just write this off and move on to game week four? I can't see any takeaways from this except Man United aren't a bad – West Ham – Man United, that's like a weird Freudian slip there. Yeah, except West Ham aren't a bad team uh, after all. I don't know if I can agree with that last part. Sure. Isn't it weird? I mean, they won 4-0, but I'm still like, nah. Well, and we saw this from uh, West Ham last season. I mean, David Moyes' West Ham has done this before. And bad teams will always do this. Bad teams will always come out one week and catch another team on the right day, and they'll look like they're Real Madrid. And, you know, when you get those bubble machines going in the London Stadium, who knows what's happening? Who knows? <laughs> but I, I to answer Mikey's question, we write this off. Just just write it off and yeah. move on. That I mean, I think I think we yeah. need to talk about it maybe a little bit more as we go through this episode and sure. what lessons we might be able to take away because I think there are some some like micro lessons, but on the whole, this was just like a catastrophically insane, bad, yeah. remarkable, you'll remember this week and th- and that's kind of the end of it. You picked to the wreckage, which we've just done, and now you talk about what you do next, what the next moves are, and that's what we're going to do right after this break. All right, Brian, we're back. Did want to take a moment to say thank you to all of our new Patreon supporters. Brian, we are now two weeks away from the very first FA Cup slash NCAA tournament style knockout competition, the Harvey Milk Mustache Cup, open to Patreon. Yeah, rest in peace, Harvey. Uh, oh, but Brandon's beloved cat. Uh, now, now memorialized through our cup. Um, so that kicks off in game week five. It is open to Patreon supporters at any pledge level. So if you want to get in, just join before game week five. It looks like the service. I, I think I said Wednesday or whatever when I kicked it off, but it looks like the service will just automatically add anybody. So to be in our Patreon yeah. league to do it. So uh, if you want to support the pod, go to patreon.com slash always cheating. Uh, and uh, as as noted uh, in previous pods, it's a, you, get, you get access to our slack or you talk about strategy you know talk about your fpl misery uh sometimes it's nice <laughs> to get out of your system a little bit the way i uh-huh. complained about var for an hour on twitter this morning sure. um and uh you can do lots of things there as well so uh and if at, at various patch levels you get certain things including our make fantasy fun again t-shirt Brennan, can you thank our new patrons, please? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, big thanks to at the uh, at the Volkswagen tier, Alexander Sundang and Anthony Bowser at the Lord Sorlot tier. Thanks. We've got a list here. Thanks yeah. to Todd Rolap, Alan Chung, Michael Brown, Tim Partridge, Andrew Oliveira, 
Tom Miles, FPL Fred, Pete Young, FPL Ngai, Sam Cooper, Alexander Leon, Evan Price, Cedric Stone, and Tommy Holland. And finally at the Pookie tier, Pookie, you know, is Pookie up? Is he doing bits in the championship right now? I have no idea. I don't know. We have our new one in Patrick Bamford, though. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Pookie. All right. At, at, the, at the Bamford tier, thanks to Leo Beecroft, Philippe. Holmer, Holmer, Philip Holmer, Stephen Petit, Sheriff, FPL, Sharif, FPL, Pharaoh, who has been really active on the Slack. Great to meet you, Sharif. And Rachel McCool. Fantastic. Thanks to all of you. And we just want to say quickly, our friends at Fantasy Football Hub, fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always. That's where you need to go to read, listen to, and watch videos of all the greatest fantasy minds managing today sharing their teams and strategies through thoughtful thoughtful articles and videos. And that's not all you can do at the Hub, Josh. You can also access raw data, raw stats. If you want to go your own way, carve your own niche, your own strategy, just collect that data, mm-hmm. you can find it at the Hub and use their precise tools just to digest all that, all that uh, data with comparison tools, fixture tickers, all that sort of stuff. So if you want to take part in what's going on at the Hub, Visit fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always. And by using that link, you get 15% off whichever tier you choose. Yep. And I think I think you nailed it there, Brian. But I just want to say that they, they pumped out a ton of content too. So if you're having a bad game week this week, uh, sometimes it's nice to drown yourself in articles and content and just kind of and like rejigger your fantasy brain a little bit. And so uh, Fantasy Football Hub is a great place to go and do that. All right, Brian, let's take one more break. We'll get back and we're going to preview game week four and answer five key questions. Brian, we're back. Game week four kicks off this Saturday. Uh, international break weekend coming up already. I think maybe we all need it. Charge Yikes. the batteries. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I've got some apple picking to do, Brandon. So uh, it's a big, big time, big day coming uh-huh. up. At, at I love weeks. fall. Fall is a great time of year. Uh, mm-hmm. I, there's this Onion article about Mr. Autumn Man, you know, sure. walking down the streets with the leaves <laughs> crunching beneath his boots, his puffy vest on, drinking a pumpkin spice latte. Mm-hmm. Yeah, however your fantasy team is doing, just step back and appreciate how fantastic Autumn is. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, I was recently made fun of her for saying fall on Twitter uh-huh. because apparently in the UK, that is a hilarious thing to say. Uh, but uh-huh. fall is just what we call it here in the US. It's not, sure. You know, if you're, if you're three years old, you say fall and not autumn feels very fancy to me. It's like saying the gloaming. Instead of, you know, <laughs> instead of evening or, you know, or twilight, even it feels like a slightly more formal. And if you're if you're from the UK, you should love the fall, like the the great the great uh, prestigious <laughs> Manchester band uh, headed true. by Marky Smith. That's so, true. You know, that's if true. you say don't say fall, that's just a knock against Marky Smith and you don't want to go there. No, that's that's true. Major football. All right, uh, game week four. Uh, so Saturday, October third. We're into October by next weekend. That's that's wild. Um, so we have uh, Saturday and Sunday matches. Uh, the first time I guess the season we'll have uh, double matches on. Uh, I guess that won't be until Sunday. Uh, but that'll be a nice change because I think one mm-hmm. thing that it's been it's fun to have these matches and sort of especially during these COVID times when we're all home a lot more. It's fun to have matches on TV. But um, the one thing is that you really can't turn off a bad match when it's on right now. And uh, so on <laughs> Sunday, we'll, yeah, so Sunday we'll have a chance to, to alternate a little bit. 
uh, or probably just double screen it, honestly. Um, so five questions for game week four. Uh, first one comes from Boston Prof and um, a little bit about game week four. I, I think, you know, maybe a little, little big picture, but I think it, it's informing my transfers and thinking too. Uh, he says, uh, what do we really know so far? Uh, penalty takers are important. Anything else? What do we know so far? Yeah, this weekend, I think, was definitely marked by a lot of penalties. You know, the handball rule and and VAR kind of resulted in a lot of those penalties. So should our focus be on having a bunch of penalty takers in our fantasy team? I mean, that's that's. I feel like people are coming to this conclusion somewhat tongue in cheek, because if you look at your squad and if you look at the appealing assets, a lot of them already are penalty takers. Kevin De Bruyne is a lock. He's the penalty taker. Mo Salah, we're done having this argument between Salah and Mane, at least on this podcast. <laughs> Salah's the penalty taker. I mean, if if we want to continue on with the Leicester sure. City experiment, Jamie Vardy is there. He would be the only fantasy asset that I would want in that attack. Raul Jimenez. Uh, Raul Jimenez, precisely. Uh, so you see, the list goes on and on. So <laughs> yeah. if you want to do the, the, uh, the penalty taker team, the fantasy penalty league, which um, credit to producer Matt was pushing pushing the uh, fantasy penalty league narrative on our Slack today, uh, then go for it. I, I don't see a problem with that. No, uh, I don't either. I mean, uh, I think that it's 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 a good strategy. Like I said, it's a good strategy in general. Uh, clearly, even more so this season. Uh, presumably, this handball, you know, um, disaster won't get uh, fixed until the off season. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, this is probably going to happen every weekend, almost every match. Uh, I mean, not, not necessarily that we're going to see a penalty, but just the, the way that drama, like the like, did you know somebody? Because at this point, it's not even intentional, right? It's just like if you have an arm. You know, I mean, at this point, players should be pinging the ball into the box. It should be like the way James Harden pulls up and tries to draw a foul shooting threes for the Houston Rockets. Right. You should be <laughs> yeah, right. you should be trying to game the system every chance you get. And I almost hope it happens because that might be the only thing that actually gets them to to make a change. You know, um, is, is, the, is everything just getting like sort of gamified? Uh, to that level. So anyway, but that that's the that feels like almost too close to me talking about VAR again. So I'll I'll let that go for now. But I, I think um I think that there are certain players that um I, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but you know, Danny Ings, uh Marcus Rashford, Bruno, um, I think that maybe we were getting a little too caught up in the fixtures, um, you know, with some of this stuff and maybe not just kind of getting like a like a little like getting back to like to basics a little bit in terms of the players that we have because um this we are talking about fantasy not real life and sometimes that sort of gets in the way a little bit you know it's like yeah man i didn't play well Bruno didn't play well guess what Bruno got a goal assist and three bonus points um you know it, it right. doesn't really you know it's like players are good sort of regardless of how good their team is um you know fixers certainly help but you know you know a team can play very badly in a player i mean danny yang's got 11 points for me in uh in spurs you know demolition a couple of weeks ago um because he's just a great fantasy asset um and so i think that that's something that i mean like i think that we have sort of i i don't know i mean i think the other thing we've learned so far is and this is actually gets to question number two so i'm just gonna tie them together here um you know it is it worth getting your hopes up for a clean sheet anymore? And if not, how does that change your strategy? Uh, and that Joe guy says, a small at the back, a genuine plan. Uh, and Brennan, do you feel like we have enough information now to just really not feel like we're ever 
going to feel confident about getting a clean sheet, no matter which team we're talking about? No, this has happened the last few seasons where everyone uh, has ideas about how they're going to play it, uh, their fantasy squads at the back. No one gets a clean sheet at the start of the season. And then we all panic and get in these crappy defenders. And lo and behold, two or three months into the season, Liverpool, Manchester United, and other uh, sturdy defenses start getting their clean sheets. Yep. And you start – it's I, – I think – so one, one idea that we've been grappling with since preseason is what is the deal with this theory in FPL of patience and the idea of I've got a player – who I view over the course of two to three weeks as a problem. When is it me? When is me holding on to that player being patient? And when is it just me being passive? And I think defense, notably in fantasy, particularly at the start of the season, requires patience. And I am not giving up on clean sheets for sure, but I think one way to basically guard against that disappointment is you should be targeting defenders who have attacking potential. And that's why I was really grappling with Lucas Dean on my wild card. And we saw this, like he, he was doing the, uh, the James Harden thing that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's how he got to his assist, but him and Justin and Kyle Walker, Peters, all of these, uh, defenders that we've targeted early season, We've targeted them because of their attacking potential. So if the clean sheets don't come, that's half of why you have them in your team. So I think patience is really a must here. I think I think I think that's exactly right. And it's in some ways that feels like a very basic thing to say, like have defenders who can get points for you two ways, but it isn't how we have often traditionally played. Um, it is it is very common to have a Lewis Dunk type, a, you know, a Tarkowski, Tarkowski, a 4.5 million, you know, a Charlie Taylor almost scored uh, yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. He yeah. whipped in a really nice outside yeah. the box but, see, he's a He's a fullback. It is yeah. like we live in the era of the fullback. And even on a, yeah. a very um, old school team like Sean Deitch's Burnley, they still have attacking fullbacks. So, you know, there's there's the two-way uh, defender right there. I mean, you've got to be tempted to move. You know, say you have Van Dyke on your team. Uh, Van yeah. Dyke to uh, Castagna. Can't stand you. Uh, that's got to be uh, a move that you, you uh, well, think about at some point. Uh, come on. Take a closer look at my team, Joshua. I've got Justin already. So, I mean, double while... Double up, man. Double it. <laughs> double down. <laughs> I, I, I mean, Castagna has looked great, and I, I would rate him higher than Justin, but Justin is one of those uh, players, like you were talking about, where just it's just FPL points that I, I, I don't see a player, an IRL player right there. I see an FPL asset. And the sure. position he can... Uh, that, that, that would be, for me, a specific example, I think, a waste of a transfer. What I'm thinking about yeah. Van Dyke is, shoot, why do I have Van Dyke again? Like, I'm just waiting for Robertson and Trent to absolutely annihilate me on Monday. So we'll see what happens there. So yeah, this isn't necessarily related to um, to defenders, but just for a briefly, uh, Suchek is so interesting to me because I, I know he's a midfielder, but he's... I don't know. He's like a player I've been thinking a lot about because obviously he – do you think that that own goal was a little uh, – was a little unfair, uh, a little a little unjust today. 
I don't know. I didn't. They didn't show a lot of angles on it on the NBC broadcast, which I yeah. assume was the same broadcast that everyone saw around the world. So yeah. it was hard for me to tell. But it's just like I don't know. Like probably I, not. I assume. I don't know. That, yeah. I assume no. They had a right. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, it's not really relevant to why I brought him up, but I, it just it was, just occurred to me. Like I don't know. I mean, it was. Fair enough. Uh, if it was off target, then, it was then, salt in the wound. I'll tell you yeah. that much as yeah. Jimenez owner. But uh, I think at that point, any fantasy manager on Sunday was just kind of laughing as to yeah. not cry at that point. But <laughs> I, I guess mean, it, you, it was it was it was the kind of uncle that was the equivalent of like when somebody uh, hits the ball and it like goes off the crossbar, hits the goalkeeper on the back of uh-huh. the head and yeah, goes in. Right. It's an own goal in the goalkeeper. And you're like, well, that's yeah. not really fair, well, okay. but it has to be that way. So let's, yeah. let's talk about this for a second, because <laughs> that is where you, you catch yourself looking at the game only through a fantasy lens and own goal. It's not like Jimenez gets to the locker room and he's like, oh crap, it's an own goal. Now I'm going to get fined $15,000. It doesn't matter to him. Like <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. no, it's no real blemish on his yeah. record. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It only matters to us as fantasy managers. And that's kind of what I was thinking about when I was sort of sifting through my emotions as a fantasy manager this weekend of one of the, one of the problems that we may have to contend with at some point with FPL is how, uh, just how shallow it is as a game. We're only getting re- <laughs> like rewarded for a very base level of things, goals, assists, and clean sheets. Yeah. And uh, you, you've talked about this quite a bit, Josh, about how more in-depth the Bundesliga F- fantasy points system is, for example. And it, be- it, it, takes a- it takes away from the idea that the goal is everything. And right. there are, like so many other actions on the pitch, which give you a more well-rounded appreciation for the game and um, help your fantasy team and also help viewers uh, appreciate what's going on in the game. And I think the problem that is building for me is just how shallow the FPL game is. And maybe that's just a product of a bad weekend, but I kind of think it's going to, it could become a serious problem. Yeah. The bigger the game gets. All right. Yeah, I mean, this is we were talking about this for years and years and years at this point. And I, I think playing fantasy Bundesliga this summer, um, you were like, oh, like there's some, some things that I like about this. You know, the, the goal isn't quite the primary thing in, in the fantasy Bundesliga, right? There's a lot of like, you get points for, and this is like where it's like so far off topic at this point, but like, you know, you get points for key passes and, you know, big chances to create it. And it's, it makes you, um, like a player who scores a lot of goals is not necessarily the most valuable player in a, in a team. Um, and it, it, so, so it does feel like you're getting a more well, like you're saying a more well-rounded picture. Um, you know, I think the, but at the, at the same time, because we talked about this for some, we've done whole podcasts around this and ideas on how to make the game better. And, and really they've, they've just never changed it. And so I, I think that um, I, I, I kind of have lost hope um, yeah. that, you know, and so it's kind of like, it's like, you know, if you play uh I don't know if there's some game that you enjoy playing at home or whatever. And, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a good fantasy um, premier league. <laughs> yeah. Was well, it like a board game or something? You know, like if there's like something where you're like, well, this is not monopoly. Perfect. Monopoly. You're like, well, monopoly does promote a 
kind of rampant capitalism, but like it is, you know, <laughs> okay. I don't know. It's, <laughs> you know, right, I mean, right. there, there are things I don't like about fantasy too, but I'm also just, I don't want to waste my yeah. energy yeah. Uh, yeah. thinking about how it might change because I don't think it's going to. Speaking of rampant capitalism, let's get back to question two of our five questions for game week four. And we're sure. talking about Manchester City here. And uh, I don't know if we read the question from I am also a we who asked, are city attackers worth their value now? without a striker so yeah what what are your thoughts now as a de bruyne owner well yeah i mean i talked about this okay i mean first of all i'll 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 start this off by because i don't want to sound hypocritical here i'm planning to captain de bruyne uh in game week four um i think that uh man city will come out really aggressive and and play pretty well after such a uh, embarrassing defeat. Uh, I think that that's that's something that I, I think we can safely expect to happen. Um, I mean, maybe they'll concede some more goals, but I think they win that match. But uh, with that said, I think that the thing that maybe, like if I was on a wild card, I, I don't think I would have had more than one Man City player because what I don't like about Man City without a forward is that they are unpredictable. Right. I, you know, they're still going to score goals, but it's, it doesn't, I don't know how they're going to do it, you know? And it's sort of, in some ways, actually, it's a little bit how I feel about Wolves right now without, um, without a, without a number 10, like if Potence is actually out for a while, it's like, I don't like not understanding how, and and this is why Timo Werner has to go for me, like almost immediately. We're going to talk about Chelsea in a second, but it's like, if you can't figure out how your player is going to score goals, that usually means you shouldn't have them in your team. Like Danny Yings is an interesting case because he is in such sustained great form over like a year and a half now that he literally needs, he's like Aguero right now. And I know, you know, obviously like, <laughs> uh-huh. and Aguero, I mean, he's not in his class, but you know what I mean? Where it's just like, I do. It, like the faintest hint of a ball anywhere near the box yeah. and he's going to score, you know, it's yeah. like, the, that's so like, but you know, with these, with Sterling, Sterling is a player who's has notoriously like, you know, up and down form. Um, and, and KDB, it's just like, you know, KDB is an amazing player and I think he's going to find players who will, who will get him attacking returns and fantasy and, and, and you know, just and help Man City score goals. But, um, but I just don't like not knowing how it's all going to happen. Um, yeah. And so I think that's, that's my, that's I, my worry uh, with them right now. Yeah. I think that we spend too much time talking about the unpredictability of Pep Guardiola's lineups. And I think you're spot on there. We don't spend enough time talking about the unpredictability of how the, the goals get made at Manchester city. And I'm with you. I bit on the Phil Foden, uh, bait going into this weekend and i don't necessarily regret that uh i mean to to call that he starts to call that he is actually uh, seemingly a, a critical member of that starting 11 uh just given what pep has at his disposal right now i think that's all right and i i suspect i'll hang on to him going into that leeds match yeah, but he's so it, cheap it, you know yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's not it's not urgent so then let's just move on to question four. Uh, you mentioned it, Chelsea, Josh, Timo Werner. We've got a couple of questions here. Migs, Werner, twist time, who to? Vardy party. So, Josh, you're immediately out on Timo Werner. I think I'm out too. Yeah. I, I think we've kind of tried to hold the line at always cheating with less like, oh, you just wait. You don't, you, you don't know what we know. It was more yeah. like I felt like I was rating his – his work rate in the first two game weeks with Chelsea. And you just kind of had this, obviously a foolish idea that Frank was going to figure it out with this lineup and going against West Brom. It 
was just a massive indictment of Frank Lampard's management. And <laughs> was that like the worst coaching performance you've ever seen? I, yeah, it was like his whole thing is that he is like he's overthinking all this stuff. Like it's driving me crazy. It's, uh, yeah, I think also when I look at him, I don't see it when when Chelsea goes down three nil. And I, you look at Frank Lampard, you don't see somebody who's like, how am I going to fix this? You look at somebody who is, I hate that I'm getting embarrassed right now. It's all yeah. about him. It is yeah. all about him. And he's he's in over his head with like, I feel like he did a serviceable job with the young team last season. But I think the brief was very clear. Uh, the play style was very clear. And now he has to incorporate new players. And there's no philosophy yeah within which to incorporate them. And, you know, it's, I, I'd say it's, it's no indictment of Werner. And I think the hype is real with this guy, but the team is he's, he's the team is not good at the moment. How is he going to score goals? Like, you know, I know he had one chance uh, from Mason Mount who, um, who like, you know, I mean, credit where it's due. He, he played pretty well in the second half of that match or uh, the whole match, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I don't understand how this team works at all. And it's, you know, by the end, like, I actually think they could have won that game. It was, uh-huh. you know, they got to three, two, there's 20 minutes left to go and they take off a center back. They take off Tiago and they bring on a third forward and Tiago, who was just like unbelievably bad. Like David <laughs> Louise is eating his was, lunch right he now. He was bad for sure. He was bad, but like, to take off a center back and then and then put on a forward and then for like the next like fifteen to seventeen minutes or whatever it was that they got their third goal, they like could not keep their shape. It was like a complete mess because they had one center back and Christians and trying to do everything. And then you got Werner, Giroux, and Tammy Abraham all up front. It was basically yeah. like he's like, "All right, lads, get in the mixer." And let's, yeah, it's <laughs> like this insane. classic this like idea that like if you just keep taking off midfielders and defenders and putting forwards on, you're going to score more goals as if like goals are just scored somehow. And like, yeah, granted, like, you know, in the end, Tammy did score in an open, open net situation, but I honestly think they would have won that match if, if they had not gone so crazy with their, I just don't think, I think that, you know, they, they lost 15 minutes of time to, to come back and win that one. Yeah, um, right. and, ju- and just not playing as Plaquetta the first, like, just give me a break, man. Like that guy can play anywhere. Okay, like you don't think he can play Alonzo? He can't play a left back? Like, give me a break. Of course he can. Like, you don't think he he can play as a winger if he had to. That guy is amazing. It's like the best defender in the Premier League, and they can't find a spot for him. You know, Olivier Giroud, like, all he does is score goals, like, every time he plays for Chelsea. But Mm -hmm. because he's, like, 10 years too old, and I don't even know, like, I literally can't think of one thing he does better than Tammy except, like, except that he's older, like in every way. And Tammy missed like five chances in that game too. So it was just, it's like, it's like, just like play your best players, man. Like it's the sort of, Mm -hmm. like, are they just going to give up on this season? Like, I know like Mourinho gets flagged for this sometimes, but it's like the other players have to earn their spot to me. Like you don't just like plug them in because they're younger and you're trying to build something. Like they have to like be better than the players that they're replacing. Well, I think the biggest success story for Frank last season was how he handled the Christian Pulisic situation. And for the first month of the season, particularly as American fans were focused on this, where is Pulisic? Where is he? Where is he? And Frank was like, he's not ready yet. He's not ready yet. And what happened when Pulisic started getting minutes? He was wonderful. And I would give all the credit to Lampard sure. for knowing when the right time was to play him well, and get that right. Wish. And yeah. so so now you're just like, where is all that like 
good thought. It's it's seemingly out the window. Okay, so Chelsea is gone. Miggs wants to know, however, and the world wants to know, Josh, is it Vardy party time? Or are you are are you feeling something in your groin at the moment? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a little worried about that. I mean, it's clearly uh... You know, just any time a player leaves the pitch, and he's like, "Well, I mean, it's because basically like, oh, I'm old now, and like, like, I mean, what was that? That's what he meant, right? He's like, he was like, oh yeah, well, I like get, you know, this. He, he kind of brushed it off, but it's, it's like you don't really want to bring in a player who's flagged with a possible yeah. hip injury, even if he's probably fine. But they do play West Ham and Eston Villa at home in the next two. Um, I'm sort of regretting not just like basically every player that I was thinking about bringing in Rosen Price this weekend and everyone that I held on to dropped. So, and I just, I just wanted to take the hit because it was, it was kind of like you a couple of weeks ago where I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do yet. And I'm not just going to make a transfer to do it. You know, I, yeah. I like need to figure out what, what's happening right now. And, you know, I was really set on Jimenez, uh, you know, so if we're going to talk about Vardy, we need to talk about Jimenez as well. And, and maybe even Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who I don't have either. Um, and, you know, and now I'm really worried about Jimenez because it feels like it's going to be hard for him to score. Um, without somebody to feed him the ball, like it's like, is it Matinho? Like, I, you know, I don't, I don't really know. It's he's been, it's he's been team. doing it. Uh, he's been doing it since we've known him, Jimenez. He's never really yeah. played with a number ten. True. I mean, granted, he's he's missing Darty now, and they, uh, um, Saveda, uh, who is their new, uh, the new guy who filled in where Darty's position was. He didn't. Have a great game, but he's just he's just, just getting started. Yes, Samedo, yeah. But um, also, uh, Potence, it's just a knock. Like, what have we learned anything about what's going on with Potence? Beyond the classic, like, yeah, the classic injury thing where like uh, just like nobody reports it out, you know, and so it has to like travel to these back channels, and then like the like the second that like the the lineup is announced all the reporters are like as we all know he was taken off with an injury last you know five days ago Uh, but we don't know what it is we don't know what the injury is though no no apparently it was something he sustained in the man city match so uh, i I don't know i don't remember i don't remember him like that he played the full 90 didn't he i i don't know so that was a little strange yeah he did yes Okay, that's that's not great. But okay, so striker talk, striker talk. So Jimenez, yeah, yeah. I, I think, well, I think you're being a little alarmist there. I, I mean, they're playing at the Molyneux against a wretched Fulham. Sure. Uh, he, obviously, you want to keep the faith. I, fair enough. If you have Jimenez, that is a hard hold. If you're looking to buy Jimenez, and if you don't, and and you were looking to burn four to buy him, then sure, I'm with you. Maybe second guess that, but. I'd say, yeah, what about Dominic Calvert-Lewin? There was mass chaos this weekend. Absolute, like, cats with dogs, up was down, so on and so forth. Sure, But if any match played out to a T, as you would have predicted, it was Crystal Palace-Everton. In that, Crystal Palace acquitted themselves well. They looked fantastic, but they were just the slightly inferior team. And Everton were a little rickety in the middle of their defense, but were so good in the middle of the park and going forward. I think Calvert-Lewin struggled a little bit in his hold-up play, but he was kind of doing everything, and they were all over his back. Suffice to say, I think Everton and Calvert-Lewin have proven that Everton is not a trap this season. That's a firm buy for me. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I feel good about Everton. I feel I feel fine about him and us. It's actually, I mean, there's, I mean, Ings, who I feel like I'm only not talking about because I have him on my team already. But I mean, Ings plays at home to West Brom, and I, I mean, I, I just compared him to Aguero, and it was not a like laughing, like you did not like run out of the room screaming. So it's like that. No. It's you know, and he has a pretty decent run. Uh, they play West Brom at home. Uh, Chelsea win game week five, but Chelsea's defense is pretty bad so that, that that match could be fine uh and then they play everton aston villa and newcastle and then the following three uh matches do get harder um in i guess like late november uh so i mean i still have a little ways to go there and i at this point I mean, it was funny because i you know i initially brought him in as a short-term player but i i can't imagine dropping him before game week nine now um mm-hmm. you know just given his his form and uh yeah and, yeah and game week nine is the Game week nine is the magic game week in which the fixtures really open up for Manchester United. So that's perhaps if you don't go Martial in for Timo Werner, then that's the move, I think. Yeah, so wait till Martial is 8.6 million or something and and just bring him in then. That sounds sounds (laughs) like for life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Vardy, uh, we probably should not just like, uh, you know, throw up our hands and say, who knows what to do there? Because I mean, you know, he really does have, uh, you know, he's, I mean, was he have five goals in the season now, five goals and, um, and plays West Ham and Aston Villa home twice in the next two fixtures. So yeah. it's, it's very tempting. Uh, I wish I had Castagna, honestly. Uh, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. Very tempting. Uh, but Justin, <laughs> yep. Justin, Justin is basically like a penny stock for me right now. I, I will sing his praises just because I feel like it was a sound investment. And now, uh, like I'm too vested in Justin to <laughs> get away from him. So <laughs> yeah, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to hear any more of this Castagna talk. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, what, what's our yeah. last, what's our last question for this game week preview? Uh, Last question is a simple one. Uh, who is your captain for game week four? Who are you picking right now? Who's your who's the armband on? Yeah, my my bus team captain is. I'm keeping the faith with De Bruyne. I I buy into your logic, Josh. That like, how bad could it possibly get for Manchester City? And yeah, like yeah. this is nothing new for City. City have kind of been emotionally fragile for for a decade. So, uh, and. I, I I think that that's okay. I mean, the other option to me would be Mo Salah away Aston Villa. So that would yeah. be a solid vice. But I think City will be the favorites heading into game week four. Yeah, that's that's where I'm leaning as well. Um, I reserve the right to change my mind if Salah does really well uh, on Monday. And maybe I just I just kind of, you know, keep rolling with him for a while. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that sounds right. Uh, Ings at home to West Brom is kind of tempting too. um, mm-hmm. given his form, I, I, there's something about captaining a player. I don't know. It's like, I just don't trust that team enough to captain Ings and it throws me off a little bit. Like I just, um, I have that sort of Fabio Borges thing echoing in my mind too. Uh, it's a great manager who said, um, said, you know, he couldn't remember it had been years since he captained, um, a, like, like a non big six team, you know, yeah. a, a player in a non big six team in a match. Um, and I think, you know, the rationale there just being that, um, I, I was talking about really about predictability and just bigger teams are more predictable. They're more likely to score multiple goals. If you score multiple goals, uh, they're more likely to be more chances for your captain to pick up points. Um, and it's sort of as simple as that. Um, mm-hmm. and you'd assume that West Brom would be key. I mean, I don't know. West Brom's defense looks pretty terrible. Uh, 
they're all we should like maybe next pod we'll do a, a terrible defense ranking like just from like from the okay. from 20 being the most de- okay defense to one being the worst and we're just gonna yeah. spend that's actually like a perfect international break topic so we'll we'll save it for next week's pod uh-huh. uh and uh and talk about it there so yeah I, i'm on debron as well uh could move it to sala ings is tempting but probably won't do that um yeah, I mean, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, you know, kind of in that same, he's in that Ings category. Well, but uh, it's going to be a similar matchup, I think, for Everton against Brighton. I think Brighton and Chris, meaning similar uh, to their the Game Week 3 matchup with Crystal Palace. I think Brighton are sort of punching at that level of Palace where they are just a great, they look like a solid team. I won't say great for their weight class. They're gonna, mm-hmm. but when they come up a team uh, against a team that's above their weight class, they'll just get beat every time. So while I think Everton will beat Brighton, I don't think it would be by the same margin that you would even pick Southampton to beat West Brom or Wolves to beat Fulham. So if you wanted to go differential, I think the Ings shout is good, and if you really want to uh, keep your faith in Wolves, listen, Jimenez against Fulham. Great. I yeah. think that's a I think that's a great differential. Upside. There there's an argument for uh for Sterling. Uh he I know he performed really well in away matches last season, but I think the lack of a forward is just I like I don't know how I don't know. I mean, what did you think? I mean, you watched the full Man City match, mm-hmm. right? Did you yeah. watch start to finish? And, I and did. what did you yeah. what was your assessment of Sterling in that match? He was at sea. He uh he was getting dispossessed a lot and just didn't, he wasn't commanding his space. De Bruyne looked fine. He was to use the same comparison. He was at least commanding his space. He was putting in decent balls. He was, De Bruyne looked especially great on set pieces. Uh, But, and Sterling insisted on taking a direct free kick just outside the 18 yard box on the, on the left side, looking at the goal, which I thought was strange. And he, he hit it right into the wall. There was nothing to recommend in Sterling's mm-hmm. performance. And you thought, well, is this going to change when Delap, I'm blanking on his first name, but the uh, 17-year-old striker. Yeah, is it Liam Delap, right? Rory's son, I can't remember. Yes, right, yeah, right, right, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was kind of a non-presence. The only thing that Delap contributed was excitement to me because I was often confusing him for Kevin De Bruyne, just given the shape of his body <laughs> and the color of his hair. And I was like, Oh, KDB so far forward. Um, right. but, uh, he did not resolve any of those issues. So I, I, I mean, I, I think, I think city are class enough to sort of figure this out and they've played a strikerless formation before with some results, but there's nothing to encourage people to, by Sterling. If you still have Sterling, I feel I'm afraid you're kind of stuck with him for the for the for the near future. Yeah, and so I think uh, it's one of those cases where you could just you could captain Sterling based on his track record, but you wouldn't be yeah. captaining it based on what we've seen through yeah. the first uh, two mm-hmm. matches for the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, that's that, those are your five questions, Brandon. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and we have a lightning round today. We're bringing back the lightning round this game week, so we'll be right back. All right, gang, you've counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. 
And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings the food you're craving right to your door. And ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open that DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. All right, so right now, our listeners of Always Cheating can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download DoorDash and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, Brandon. And uh, yeah, I eat more than ever than I would care to admit, Okay. Uh, it's, uh, it's, guilty, it's very guilty. clean. It's, it's a clean interface. You know, I, I like I like to use it. Uh, yeah. It's especially working from home all the time. It breaks up the day a little bit. Uh, all right, Brandon. Uh, another another thing we want to talk about: the wait is over. Football is back. Football of all stripes, Brandon. Even college is back. You may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile this year to make sure you can get in every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get another season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Brandon, college basketball is coming back mm. to soon, too. So Big fan. Yeah, yeah go, go Spartans. Uh, head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, that's BLUEWIRE, one word, at betonline.ag. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Brian, we're back. Three question lightning round. Each answer gets a 30 second response. No more, no mm-hmm. less. Exactly 90 okay. seconds. We've been here before. Section. Yep, yep, yep. Just reminding any of you listeners, this, this, this section <laughs> will be over before you know it because we're so fast. Blink and you'll miss it. Just another Robert says, Is Bamford the new Pookie? Am I too late for the Patrick party? I like the Patrick party. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think Bamford should be do like the Brazilian thing where he just goes by his first name. He's just put Patrick on the back of his kit. Um, I don't know. The The results are hard to argue with here, Josh, but I just can't bear to get excited about Bamford. If I'm thinking about a leads transfer it kind of goes back to the discussion we were having about penalties and cliche clique however we pronounce it actually is the one that i would be targeting so uh, i'm i'm less about bamford because there's something about that price point for bamford where i feel like i'm not gaining enough by going down to that 5.5 to 6 million Mm -hmm. it's almost like you have to go for a 352 and get in a Ryan Brewster type, just don't feel like I'm gaining enough going for Patrick. He is a he is a classic like problem player for an experienced fantasy manager because A, he's been in the league before and he wasn't good. Um and he is like he feels like he's kind of in that um like Buffett, Gomes. Yeah, I was just gonna say like one of those like like uh, Dwight Gale types where they're like they're really good in the championship and then it doesn't quite it doesn't quite work you know in the Premier like too good for the championship, not good enough for the Premier League and uh, you know but with that said and, and you know, so that's one problem the other problem is that we all feel like he's eventually going to lose his spot to Rodrigo 
But what happened is that Hernandez got injured. And so there's kind of space for both of them right now. And so mm-hmm. that now you're like, well, Hernandez is going to come back. And Rodrigo is the starting four for the Spanish national team. So he will probably be their starter at some point. They paid a fair amount of money for him. you know. And you're sort of like, it's like you don't quite know what to do because, again, like as, as an experienced fantasy manager, you don't want to burn a transfer on a 5.5 million forward who may lose his spot. But he yeah. also keeps scoring all the time, you know, and so it's kind of this kind of silly thing where you're like, well, what am I waiting for? He's 5.5 million. He's scoring every match. Now, granted, they played Man City in game week four. Uh, not an ideal. Although, honestly, I mean, at this point, I, I would be surprised if Man City kept a clean sheet in that match, to be to be quite honest. I, I, I would, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and if they're going to score, he's probably going to there's a good chance he'll be involved. Um, you know, just, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I don't know. It's kind of, I mean, like you said, there's, there's a lot of various players. I mean, even, um, I know you only had him for one week, but, um, you know, Josh, um, Jack, Jack Harrison, or Jack, excuse me, Jack Harrison, uh, he played pretty well too, you know, set up the, uh, set up the Bamford's yeah. goal and uh, yeah. got a bonus he's point so, today. He's so wide, but, uh, yeah, he's good. They've got a thing going on there at Leeds. I'm just curious to see how long they can keep it up. Not sure. Yeah, I I'm not sure either, but I mean, God, they they're on six points in the season already. They scored three mm-hmm. away to Liverpool. I mean, certainly they don't seem like the kind of team that's going to go down this year. So, um, mm. you know, I feel I I'm just so happy that again I've said this on previous pods, but it just it's fun to have a promoted team that knows how to score goals. It really mm-hmm. does make for <laughs> uh, it makes watching their matches a lot more enjoyable. Uh, I'm not sure you can say the same thing about Sheffield United. Like they are like they need a goal scorer. I, I don't know if that's Ryan Brewster or somebody, but it's it's not. It's not working uh, with the, no. you know, I don't think, I don't think the Burke experiment is going to last much longer. Either. Yeah. Right. All right. Ben, we're getting right to 30 seconds. So I think it's going to move on to the next question. Uh, Dag, Dag T says, if someone possibly, and always cheat a Patreon follower in a moment of weakness, press the wildcard button after midnight Saturday, just who in the hell are the reliable options <laughs> right now? So let's just restrict this to like two or three, but just looking ahead to the next six fixtures, um, yeah. Brandon, if you scroll down a running order here, you can see this nice fixture list oh, I've assembled. Uh, mm-hmm. Who are a couple of players that you would target on a wild card right now, uh, outside of the kind of template players that we talked about at the start of the pod? So outside of uh, like Jimenez and DCL and all that, uh, I just think there's like obvious, like clear, clear picks. But if there was somebody who was maybe yeah. a little, you know, off the off that path. Well, I've kind of tossed my hat in the ring with Lucas Dean, and I think he is an interesting alternate to a premium fullback. And, you Mm -hmm. know, if you want to compare him to Castagna, I think that's an interesting comparison. But you do see Everton are going to be scoring goals this season. And with somebody like DCL, who's so great in the air, like he's always leading the league in aerial duels one stats. I just really like Lucas Dean going Mm -hmm. forward. And I think that's a way to get a leg up early on in your mini league. Uh, um, And just going back to what I was saying at the start, I still feel tied to this idea with the wild card, even going into game week four of looking at those teams that are top eight maybe top six teams that don't have European commitments. And that's still Wolves and Everton. Wolves look so, so shambolic against West Ham, but I still think that they are an elite fantasy team. So I I just want us to keep the faith there. Yeah. I I think keep the faith for sure. Um, But yeah, without Pons, it does worry me a little bit. Like, I mean, yeah, they haven't had him before, but they did, 
They did have Jota, which I think is you know is a little underrated, maybe, and certainly he would pull some defensive attention. The cheaper uh, fullback, uh, the cheaper fullback, I guess you would say, was Matt Taylor, who you mentioned earlier, Josh. And if you look at Burnley's next two fixtures, Newcastle, West Brom, before they hit uh, Spurs and Chelsea, four point five is uh, a steal and somebody that you could feel com- yeah. uh, comfortable benching in those tougher fixtures. Yeah, uh, Charlie Taylor. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's, um, I think he's right up there. I, I like the Dean shot a lot. I, I, I think he's he is worth the extra price. I mean, I think we talked about him. Uh, on our Patreon pod is like a mini TAA. And I think that re- that really is true. Um, he's, he's just awesome. So yeah, I think, um, God, you know, looking ahead at, at these fixtures, it really, I think the, I think on a wild card, I would try to have Jimenez DCL and, uh, and I, I honestly, I'd probably have Ings too, as, as my three, as my three forwards. And, um, I don't know. So, so that, yeah, that I think there. As far as like off, any additional off the beaten path players, um, yeah, I I don't know. No one, no one else really comes to mind right now. Um, I think that there are a couple players who've dropped in price, like Christian Pulisic, who um, I'm, I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Um, I think that if you want to be a little bit different, I think you could just go for Man United right now because I do feel confident they have three home matches in their next four. Um, I think that they are capable of scoring goals even in bad matches, like even in matches where they don't play well. So, um, you know, I wouldn't focus on their defensive players, but if you wanted to bring in, um, I even think Greenwood is probably fine for now. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe they assign Jaden Sancho, but if not, they're, they're going to need to score goals right now. And so I don't think Greenwood's going to lose his spot. Yeah. He'll look, he'll look good yeah. enough, uh, on good Saturday. Enough. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Had, had an assist chalked off. Um, you know, but I think, um, I actually think Rashford is a perfectly acceptable pick. I mean, um, well, we know with penalties too, I mean, Rashford and Bruno, they're both, both viable. Bruno is so much, you know, that extra million is hard to get to sometimes. So I think that Rashford is a, a perfectly good, you know, replacement pick for Bruno. Okay. Last question in the lightning round comes from Oli KG. He asks, which teams do you target going forward? Let's say for the next five game weeks. So just based on the fixtures we're looking at, and maybe we don't have to, to talk about those obvious teams who stands out to you as just, Somebody we haven't thought of who's got a great fixture run. Well, uh, Southampton. Um, you know, I'm really glad and relieved that they they went away and you know, as someone who has two Southampton players on my team uh, and McCarthy and Ings that they went away and won at Burnley. That, not an easy, even with Burnley being having a lot of injuries and stuff. That's not an easy match at all. So uh, I was you know very happy that they did that. And now they have three home mat- three home matches in their next uh, well three in their next five. Uh, they have only really one tricky away match, though, away to Chelsea in game week five. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's West Brom at home, Everton at home, Newcastle at home, and Aston Villa away. So, uh, you know, a pretty solid run. And I mean, really, they, they are like the least cool team right now. Like nobody <laughs> is talking yeah. about uh, Southampton, but I actually think that their assets could be could be valuable. I think the other team that we really have not given enough attention to um, and and really probably need to do so at some point uh, is uh, West Brom. Uh, and you know, I mean, I, I just think that do we have to, n- not on this pod. Uh, but I think that, <laughs> I think that Perea is a really super talented player and, you know, Diangana is really good and those players are super cheap. And if potence is out, I, I may be looking at West Brom as the place that I go to, mm-hmm. um, to, to take care of that spot. Um, because, yeah. um, I like both those players. And, uh, and Robin, Callum Robinson too, with the, the brace and he looks up yep. for it, which is, yep. which is great to see. I do wonder if that's a trap though, if you just kind of get lulled into thinking that, 
a couple of decent performances from one of the worst teams in the league is an okay place to put your money. But yeah, if you you do look at the fixtures, they're pretty good. A team yeah. like I'll I'll raise you team we haven't talked about but should talk about. I'll raise you up to Tottenham Hotspur. So Spurs mm. have Manchester United in game week four. After that, it's a really good run with West Ham, Burnley, Brighton. Am I reading this right? God, I need to get some bi- bifocals, Josh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, West Ham, Burnley, Brighton, and then West Brom before they hit uh, hit City there in game week nine. So I don't know. Uh, how are you feeling about, about Spurs? We, we kind of talked about their their defense not being great, but no, just the, the price point yeah. is all off with them for what they're yeah. delivering. But you catch them on the right week, as they showed us against Southampton, then there are there be points. Yeah. Well, Kane, it depends on how long Sun's out for, I guess. I mean, uh, Kane without Sun, I don't think he's quite as potent. Um, he's he's in great form, clearly. And um, God, I mean, what, he had like two. How many times did he hit the post, the crossbar in that game? Was it three or four? It felt like. Uh, you know, and, and uh, the uh, Newcastle's yeah. backup keeper, Carl Darlow, the most one of the most expensive keepers in fantasy for no particular reason, uh, <laughs> had an incredible match. So maybe that's sure why. Did, yeah. Maybe that's why he's got that huge price tag. But um, yeah, I thought that uh, you know he's in good form, but just now it worries me a little bit because um, you know Lucas and um, Bergwine is they're all fine. You know, they're all like. B plus players, you know, and it's just, um, I mean, they're all, they're very good, obviously, but they're just not, they're not sun. They're, you know, they don't have his like level of dynamism. And so yeah. it yeah. worries me. I feel like that it will impact Canada. It, it definitely like throws me off bringing Kane into my team, uh, especially they also play two matches this week before this weekend's match, mm-hmm. uh, which is insane. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm tricky. with you. And they, they, just kind of where they fall in the table, they got priced up and they're in this position where the price points for Spurs fantasy assets, there are other players for better teams or more consistent teams in that same range that are more appealing. So Spurs are just the odd team out at the moment. They are. Yeah. I mean, you know, Wolves have great fixtures clearly. Um, and, uh, and Everton really have a nice run too. We've, we've talked about those teams, you know, quite a lot already. Uh, all right, Brennan, that's the pod. Enjoying. I'm looking forward to tomorrow's matches. Uh, I think that uh, Mitro, I'm really interested to see how he does at home. Uh, yeah. That may dictate what happens with my team, whether I end up having to pull the trigger on a wild card or something. Not having DCL is like kind of messing me up right now. And uh, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out what to do uh, with my team and uh, whether I just hold on to Mitro or whether he has to go is something I have to sort out uh this week uh, another reason why i didn't uh why i just let those price sets happen do you, I, I, okay well we should talk about price sets maybe in the next in the next pod but uh-huh. I, I think okay. you know how how seriously you have to take them is something that um i feel like everyone's gotten really really focused on it and i think that maybe it's it's not helping people make good decisions i think maybe there's a little too much uh a lot of obsession with price rises right now then oh uh, i see yeah. what you're saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I i agree yeah you're it's it's going to work both ways. I mean, a player like Timo Werner could very well at the the latter half of the season be a fantastic player, and he'll be so much easier for us to buy then. So, in some yeah. ways, it's good. It's good to see these players have their value drop for now when they're actually not playing well, and we don't want them. Good luck to everybody tomorrow. 
Good luck in game week four. We'll be back in midweek with our Patreon pod. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to support the pod, go to patreon.com slash always cheating. Uh, it's a way to say thank you to the cheaters. And uh, we really do appreciate it. It's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it, every time we get a new Patreon supporter, it really mm-hmm. um, makes it feel like, um, I don't know, that people are responding to the pod and actually really enjoy it and want to say thank you. Well, every time we get a Patreon subscriber, I blow the giant Ricola horn in my backyard. <laughs> it's, it's terrific. You should see it. Yeah. You get access to a lot of free stuff as well, which we already talked about on this podcast. Uh, Brendan, do you want to thank our Patreon producers? Oh, yes. Big thanks to our producers, Trevor Ingerson, Mike DiPietro, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Martin Savage, Brian T., Big Gaffer, Bobas Kuhn, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Jazz Binning, Dave Wagner, Lodal, Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Travis West, Victor Forberg, Skogang, Paul Herzig, Kai Christine Lelang, Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, Lindsey Rostel, Anton Markov, at FPL Merch, Carrie Swanson, Brandon B., Paul Scanlon, Kieran Screeton, James Hurd, Francis Mann, Chris Carter, Blue No Stew, Producer Matt, Mikey Uong, Bruce Kerr, Alper Paxoy, Nicholas Verdonkis, Sam Schauer, Henry Baker, and Will Husby. Never miss an episode of Always Cheating. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And if you could be so kind, give us a rating or review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It does really help the pod. Subscribe wherever you get fine social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Send us your emails, hailcheaters at gmail.com. And all this information and more is at alwayscheating.com. We've said it all. We've gone on too long, Josh. Now we must say goodbye. Goodbye. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com